0: Parents, you would no doubt attest to the sacrifice that is required when raising children. Would you not? We have a few parents. Lots of young people tonight, which is wonderful, but I'm sure we have some, a few parents amongst. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. The sleepless nights, the, the, the constant demand on your time and your energy and your attention and your finances. Yeah? <laughs> and, and just the general loss of autonomy, Right? Parenting is one act of um, constant dying to self, right? Now, parents, why? Why would you pay such a price? I'm assuming it's because you are motivated by a higher calling, a greater value, a deeper joy, which makes the cost more than worthwhile, huh? Even though, at times, you might question it. (laughs) Athletes are the same, aren't they? Especially professional athletes. They're familiar also with the pain of sacrifice. Most of them need to be very disciplined with their exercise and their food and their sleep. They often miss many of the simple pleasures that others get to enjoy. So why would they pay such a high price? Well, they too are motivated by a greater purpose. They're chasing after a higher value that makes that cost worthwhile, at least to them. Our first reading today comes from an Old Testament book of of the Maccabees. and uh, We heard about a mother and seven brothers who also were very willing to embrace the pain of sacrifice. They refused to obey the king's demand uh, to go against their Jewish beliefs and to eat the flesh of pigs. And because of that defiance, each of them were in turn horrifically tortured and killed. Now, why were they willing to pay such a high price? Why didn't they just eat the pork, right? They could have just eaten the pork and just got it over with, right? Why do they subject themselves to that kind of torture? Because they too had their heart set on a greater value. They were living for a higher purpose. This wasn't just national heroism. This was an act of faith that they were making. Their belief and their hope in heaven influenced and shaped not only their whole life, but also the manner of their death. Listen to one of the brothers He's just about to be killed. And he says, You may discharge us from this present life, but the King of the world will raise us up, since it is for his laws that we die to live again forever. Now, it begs the question for us, right? Whose laws are you living for? Whose laws are you prepared to die for? This same sacrifice has been prevalent in the church from the very beginning of Christianity right up up until our present day. Most of the apostles, many of the early disciples willingly endured suffering and paid the ultimate price for their faith. So many of the canonized saints we celebrate were martyrs. It's hard to go past St Paul though, huh? Listen to him talk about his own suffering. He says, "I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. 5 times I received the the Jews from the Jews the 40 lashes minus 1. 3 times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. 3 times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move." I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, from fellow Jews, from Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides all of this, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. Now, why? Why would St Paul and and so many others throughout history, history gladly pay such a high price for their faith in Christ? Were they extremists? Were they a bit nuts? Well, the answer is, it's because in Christ they had encountered a glory, a value that was worth trading all other values for. Now, how about you? Has your heart captured something of this glory? You know, there are some Christians who who give up on their faith, especially when they come up against suffering. And I wonder if that's partly because they haven't quite captured a vision of heaven You see, there are some experiences in life, like like suffering, like injustice, that only make sense in the light of eternal life, right? You probably heard of Maximilian Kolbe, another saint in the church, Polish priest. He was sent to prison and then to one of the Nazi concentration camps for hiding Jewish people. And um, whilst he was there, there were three men who escaped from the camp. And so the commander randomly chose 10 men to send to the starvation bunker to die there. They were going to pay the price for these three that escaped. And Maximilian, he, he wasn't one of those 10 chosen. But when one of those men started crying out for his wife and his children, Maximilian immediately stepped in. And he asked the guard, he said, look, um, I'm a Polish, I'm a priest, right? Um, let me take this man's spot, he's got a family. And miraculously, the commander allowed for that to happen. And Maximilian, along with the other nine, paid the ultimate price. But, but Max, he did it willingly. Why would willingly pay such a high price for someone he didn't even know? There are two answers to that question. Part A. Maximilian was full of the love of Christ. A love which had paid the ultimate price for him. So he was just moving in that same love. A love which is not always reasonable. Part B to the answer though is that Maximilian was convinced that there was a greater prize on offer. There was a hope that even outweighs the sacrifice of his life here and now. This is why Jesus taught and spoke about the kingdom of heaven so much. You see, he knew that when we get a vision for it, it changes everything in our life. It changes everything how we live, and it changes what we live for. It it turns everything upside down in the most beautiful kind of way, most liberating kind of way. There may be some among us who are thinking to themselves, well, Father Daniel, I get it, right? I get this whole heaven business. But um, don't you think it's just a bit too much of a risk to live now, as if heaven is real? I mean, what, what? how can I be sure? Isn't it just safer if I go with a secular view that all there is is what we can see? You know, I just, um, you know, live as if there is just now. Throw all of my eggs into this basket, this life. Isn't that safer? Make the most of now. These are fair and honest questions, Right? We obviously can't see we can't touch heaven that there is no definitive proof that the reality is that we cannot possibly comprehend eternal life with our finite minds right and, and I think it's supposed to be that way I don't think we're supposed to know exactly what it's like but I want to suggest to you tonight that, that, that there is enough evidence to reassure us of the reality of heaven and, and today I want to point you to two sources. The first source of this evidence is our own inner experience, especially um, when we've lost someone that we love. When a loved one dies, something within us knows that our love for them doesn't die, right? Our connection with them remains alive and sometimes it even goes deeper, which has certainly been my experience with my mum. Something within us longs and waits to be reunited with them and we we almost know that we will be, we, we will be together again, it's just a matter of time. You see, it's this connection that we have and this, this longing that says to us that they cannot simply cease to be. Yes, they've died, but they must still be alive. They can't just disappear. They, can't just, they just can't end. It's alive in me. There must be a bigger picture. There must be a bigger reality that we are all part of. I, mean, look, I find even non-religious people think in this way. Often you know, at funerals, when someone they love dies, they'll say, oh, it's, they're in a better place now. Where do they get that from if they're not people of faith, right? It comes from within us. It's not a knowledge that comes from our reason. It comes from a deeper place. It comes from hope. It comes from love. I want to suggest it's even more important and profound kind of knowledge. So that's the first source of evidence. The second source that I want to point you to is the life and the teaching of Jesus. Did you know... Jesus staked everything on the reality of heaven. This was his one great passion. He spoke about it constantly. And ultimately, he sacrificed his very life so that we could have it, so that we could share in it. At one point, when he was teaching, Jesus said that heaven is like the most precious pearl. It's worth trading everything else in for. Everything. That's why. He said to you know, his disciples, he said, leave your, your work, your businesses, your family. Leave it all behind and follow me. That's why he said to the rich man, sell everything you've got and follow me. That's why he said to his disciples, those who follow him, be willing To embrace suffering and persecution, you see, because Jesus knew that when we put him first, we open ourselves to the life that we're really created for, the life that really matters. And then when he was nearing his death, Jesus was talking to his closest friends. And at that point, they were starting to get a bit distressed because they knew what was coming, right? And so Jesus... He says these words to, to them, which we've probably heard in a funeral before. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If there were not, I would have told you. I would have told you if there were not many rooms. I would have told you if there's not a bigger picture. Jesus he didn't at this point he didn't even bother trying to explain it. He didn't try and help them to understand how it all happens, what it's like in this Father's house. He just said, "Trust me. Trust me. You know me better than anyone else. You've seen my miracles. You know my heart. Just trust me when I say there is a bigger picture than what you can see right now." So what about you? Do you really trust Jesus on this one? You might trust him on some of the other teachings. But what about this one, which is like his core teaching? The way that you know if you really trust him is by looking at your life. I want to encourage you this week to do a little bit of introspection, really honest, non-judgmental reflection on what you really believe. I'm going to um, offer you a few questions in a, in a second, and they're also going to be on the website under our homilies page if you want to refer to them later. If you find yourself kind of reflecting on these questions and thinking, "Oh, ah, <laughs> you know, you think oh, I'm failing in this area, please don't be discouraged. Just see it as an opportunity to grow in faith, right? All right, here are some questions for you. Do you live as if... Do you live as if heaven is real and supremely valuable? Do your everyday decisions and priorities reflect this truth? And what about when you find yourself worrying? What are you worrying about? Do you find yourself worrying more about uh, sort of earthly passing matters? Or are you worrying about eternal things? Do you think and live more For the long term or for the short term? And what is the price that you are paying so that you can be as open and as ready as possible to start receiving, even now, in this life, the gift of eternal life? You see... Heaven is a pure gift, right? We could never earn it or deserve it, but there is a price that we need to pay if we want to open ourselves to this life, to this gift. And we've heard something of that price today in some of the examples I've offered. Next week, I'm going to focus on, on on what is this cost that we need to pay, what that looks like in our daily life. But today, I just wanted to answer the question that's on the front of our bulletin today. Is Heaven worth the cost required? Now, according to Jesus, according to the saints, right throughout the centuries, the answer is a resounding yes. Any cost is worth the glory of eternal life. Hello, Father Dan here. If this homily has been helpful, there are a few things I'd love for you to do. Firstly, subscribe to this podcast or share this episode with someone who might find it helpful and consider also helping us to expand our mission and reach out to more people by donating at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash donate, or you can click on the link in the podcast description. Thanks so much for joining us and have a blessed week.